Chickity check yourself before you wreck yourself. Hello, welcome to the Arrogant Healthcare Marketing Bastards podcast for the week of May 14, 2012. This is episode 149, T-minus sesquicentennial. Wow, one more. Now, I'm Chris Bevelo, president of Interval. We are the healthcare marketing firm that puts on the podcast. <clears throat> With me today in studio are co-hosts. Jackie Ritaco. Welcome coordinator with Interval. Jackie Ritago. Ritago. And Adam Meyer. <laughs> Come on down. <laughs> creative, spice it up. creative director. These you, podcasts are always so boring and Director dull. of I creation. Just had to throw something in there. You have really loosened up on your podcast. You should go back and listen to some early ones. I take pills before we... Because you were... <laughs> <laughs> You'd be kind of like Jackie Ritaco. You'd have to be really stiff and formal. And She's now got you're all like bottle of wild pills. turkey. She takes a couple <laughs> pulls yeah. before we start it up. I take shots before this, actually. <laughs> nice. <laughs> this is our forum for riffing and ranting on hot or important healthcare marketing topics, trends, and ideas. With a whole lot of other noise <laughs> thrown in. We'll come up with a different one. Let's hot. add a different one. Hot topics. We should start a teen based clothing store called Hot Topics. Oh, is Hot Topic teen-based? I guess it is teen-based. Oh, yeah. 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 Chains and... Chain, yeah, like... Gothware. Yeah. <laughs> it is goth. It's totally goth. goth, goth I've I, I been in there for years. I've picked up, picked up a t-shirt really. in there every once in a while, though, if oh, they, they have got cool one. Shirts. Yeah, they got some decent t-shirts, and it's a good place to get some accessories that are not too ridiculous. As a 36-year-old man, it's a good place to go to get arrested for being in Hot Topic. There are stores that I don't even want to walk into. Because holy cow, the generation gap is massive. Oh, I'm sure. There's another one like a skating kind of store in oh, a mall. Pacific but it's Sunwear a, or something? No, no, not that. Come on, <laughs> that's, that's a, not that's a hip and store. cool. Sure it doesn't it look is. like Zoomies? it. It looks like it's a little more like maybe it's zo- it's Zoomies. That's it. Thank yeah. you. I know my mall stores. Yes, and my son <laughs> likes stuff from there. But I go in there and I'm like, you know. What do you want, old man? <laughs> Did you take a wrong turn at Payless? That's what <laughs> yeah, Pacific Sunwear is. is. That's, that's just Payless. JC Penney's across the mall, dude. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Payless with attitude. Oh. All right. So, what's our announcement? We got an announcement coming up this week. Oh, yeah. This is technically next week. <clears throat> All right. Getting in the mindset here. The Mission Spring Conference, Engaging Wellness. Woo! I heard that. <laughs> And that's MHSCN for anyone who's not in the Minnesota area. The Minnesota Health Strategy and Communications Network. Nice. So it's MHSCN.com. If you'd like to register, 8 to 4 next Wednesday, followed by a happy hour that we are sponsoring, which will obviously be super fun. We being the interval. Right. Because that's how we roll. Mm -hmm. We don't sponsor the keynote speaker. (laughs) We don't sponsor the handouts. We sponsor the booze. Maybe we should sponsor it as the arrogant healthcare marketing bastards sometime rather than Interval. Yeah, we could do that. We could have a live show. Yeah. That's Speaking of which, that's oh, worth yeah. thinking about. You know, we've talked, we've, we've discussed a few times uh, doing like a live, some sort of something live while we record our podcasts. Um, like a lot of podcasts are, they, they do. Um, Google <laughs> just introduced a uh, kind of an expansion to their Hangouts, which is a little more. Uh, there used to be a, a limit to how many people could be in a Hangout. I think it was like 10. 
Um, or otherwise, it would be cool. They changed. Yeah, <laughs> they changed it now to be unlimited. Um, and I guess that that like party, podcasters are seeing that as a as a big plus because they can do their they can record when they're recording their show. They can have uh, you know if you, as long as you let people know when it's going to be, they can join you on, on the nice. hangout and watch the show, listen in, probably engage in, in some fashion. I'm not sure exactly how. I haven't done a Google Hangout That would yet. be awesome to try. Because don't you think it would be really fun to have folks that listen to this who can make it? And we always do it at the same time. Mm-hmm. If, if they could engage with us and mm-hmm. send in messages or... I think that would be really fun. Yeah, yeah. it would be worth it to try it. This yeah. just in from Jack in Washington. <laughs> I like that. That's yeah. good. We should, well, we'll we look should into it and see if we Wasn't can... Wasn't it our New Year's resolution to do this year? Might have been. I think so. We got plenty As of time. There's a lot of things, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, we still, there's still time in the year. Where is the mission uh, spring conference? It is at the TCF Bank Stadium on the University of Minnesota oh, campus. Nice. That should be fun. It should be fun. Sounds like a cool venue. Yeah. The newest stadium in our market until now, <laughs> since yeah. the legislator just approved a <clears throat> big fat paycheck to our. Billionaire and resident Ziggy Wilf to build a new stadium for his precious Vikings. <laughs> Ziggy Milf. Is it a for sure done deal, or is it? Yeah, they need yeah to much. The Senate right? has to vote today, but there's no way they won't. Oh, I thought they already voted. Some some Senate thing. The Senate might have voted this morning, and I missed it. I think it passed. The House voted like at three in the morning, and then this this is day of recording, by the way. And the Vikings have already agreed that if that's what goes through, they will agree to it because it makes them pay more. But their statement made me <clears> want to vomit in my mouth. So there's there's spokes. There's mouthpiece, Lester Bagley is his name. He came out after they increased the amount they're going to have to pay by like, so they were going to have to pay $425 million. Mm-hmm. Now they're going to have to pay $475 million out of pocket, the Vikings, for a billion-dollar stadium, so not even half. And there's, Lester said something to the effect of, the, the Wilson and the NFL have agreed to pay the additional $50 million and we have stepped up in a big way in our commitment to Minnesota. And I'm like, That's- yeah. Nice commitment. Because yeah. the value of the organization is going to go up by like oh, totally. hundreds of millions of dollars in the new stadium. So really, that's just like, oh, yeah, you want another quarter in yeah. my pocket? Yeah. Take it. I'm just so glad it's over because yeah. my, pretty... my boyfriend's been so interested in it. He, like, he watches the Senate hearings. Wow. A lot of people have. Oh, my Is that gosh. like on C-SPAN or something? Or how do you watch that? I don't know. The, like, the Local channels so I always flip oh, okay. by intentionally. <laughs> Whatever channel that is. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, sorry for the the local. We have Anywho. a lot of local. What well, is flavor. is it going to go where this where the Metrodome is now? Or yeah. Are they going to okay? Yeah. <clears throat> so they're going to what are they going to play? I mean, that's going to get knocked down then, right? They'll have to play at um, the very place that we're having our mission spring the conference stadium? at the Gopher Stadium for at least a year. Oh, mm. so are they so. going to sell booze there then? Are they they have to... already agreed to sell booze. That was another important piece of legislation, <laughs> and that was <laughs> they got passed. Also for college games, right? For college games, yeah. yeah. Okay, we're very very. Tune into the booze legislation. <laughs> yes. yeah. play. It's important stuff, guys. Yeah, if you don't live in Minnesota too, you probably live in a state where you can actually buy booze on a Sunday, unlike <laughs> us. <laughs> fortunately, I live. Fortunately, I live about a mile from the Wisconsin the border. border, and I can right. <laughs> I can I can go get my oh, my drink uh, on jumper. my booze on on Sundays. All right, we better get some healthcare marketing. Or people are going to leave. Um, so our first, <laughs> our first, we're gonna have we have a big topic to talk about. So we're going to touch base on. Um, I don't know if this is reform. It's just the biz. Healthcare biz. <laughs> Healthcare Business Corner with Jackie Ritako. <laughs> so this is a story that I think you found huh? this story, didn't you? 
Oh, Pitts, well, I won't make you remember it. Okay. <laughs> Hospitals competing for patients, doctors, and dollars. And it's from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette uh, from middle of April. And it's nothing really new. And this also isn't one of those stories in the mainstream media where I would poke fun at, like, oh, they're, you know, it's like they've uncovered this secret thing that we have all known about. Uh, this just does a really good job of explaining why you continue to see a boom in capital investment from hospital and health systems, despite the environment of uh, lower reimbursement and despite the economic struggles of the country, mm-hmm. and also why, like, like we always say, this does not fit the typical economic model of any other industry. Um, so it basically talks about, uh, I guess in Pittsburgh, there's a huge kind of arms race is what they call it from the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center, which is the, the behemoth in that area, and West Penn Allegheny Health System, uh, which is the second-sized second system. Uh, and basically, it kind of talks about how everything that – a study that came out from the Center for Studying Health System Change, uh, how that applies to the Pittsburgh market. Uh, and it says – the coming, the coming knockdown battle in Monroeville, which is a suburb of Pittsburgh for patients, <clears throat> between West Penn Allegheny and UPMC, might appear unseemly to some, but it's also reflective of the fierce suburban competition going on across the country. That's true even in lean times when government reimbursement dollars for programs like Medicaid get squeezed and Medicare, and hospitals compete more heavily for well-insured customers from well-heeled suburbs. Patients who bring in more cash for hospitals and their affiliated practices. So this is all based on a study that says the competition has the potential to lead to, quote, duplicative services and higher costs, even though hospitals claim, quote, expansion strategies will lead to greater efficiency and improved care. So the article makes the point that um, you would think in an in a economic downturn coupled with the reduced reimbursement that we see in our market, that you would see a reduction right. in this. Uh, and they make the point that I heard a couple times from speakers um, during my travels recently that, yes, the, the, your, pie is, your slice of the pie is shrinking for any hospital or health system. You're going mm-hmm. to get paid less to do less. So the solution is you got to take more of the pie. Right. And so this is really about increasing market share um, dramatically by trying to go into to markets that are untapped or even are tapped, and you're going to steal it from who's ever tapping that now. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. That went to a bad place. Um, but like we talk about, uh, the article talks about, unlike the rest, this is a quote, unlike the rest of the free market, Dr. Carrier used the example of competing burger chains, an increase in supply, capacity, and competition in healthcare does not always lead to lower care prices. So normally, so the example of the burger chain, you put a McDonald's on a corner, it does fabulously. You put a Burger King on the other corner, mm-hmm. they both do okay. You put a Wendy's on the third corner and they're all suffering and somebody goes out of business. Healthcare, you put a hospital on the corner, they do fine. You put another hospital on another corner, they do fine. You put a third hospital on the corner, they do fine as well. How is that possible? Because unlike, I think, maybe any other industry, an increase in supply actually increases demand. Because the folks that have the supply are the ones driving the demand, right. not the end users, but right. the physicians in the hospital. Right. And because of that, that there, then there is no pressure on price to go down. Mm-hmm. There's no reason for prices to go down because you're not having to compete at that level. Right. Uh, which 
um, we all feel the pain of that. That's why overall our system is more expensive than it needs to be, or one of the reasons. Right. So a great article. Uh, recommend it. I think they also point out um, the Cleveland market and how that's happening with Cleveland Clinic and <clears throat> University Hospital, and it's been happening for some time. Um, and there is a representative from the Center for Health Affairs, which is a trade association for Cleveland area, ho- Cleveland area hospitals, that I don't think does a very good job of making the case for his constituents. <laughs> so his quote is, um, above this it says, health systems need to update themselves regularly in order to remain competitive, which is true. Sometimes updates take the form of a renovated building, new equipment, or other times it means building a new hospital from scratch. And now here's Bill Ryan, president of Center for Health Affairs. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my own little spin on his voice. Yeah, new stuff is going in out in the more affluent neighborhoods. That stuff gets programmed five, six, seven years in advance, he said. There's always a little bit of angst from the insurers, but patients love it. No, that was my own Spin. attitude, but those were his words, which sound yeah, like which sounds good. terrible. He goes, first of all, he's saying "yeah" stuff, so he sounds like my son. Yeah, you know, like <laughs> stuff's stuff. going in. What'd you do, do today, Johnny? Stuff, some stuff, you know, like a uh, new two hundred fifty million dollar hospital, you know. <laughs> and then he basically says, you know, ah, there's a little bit of angst from insurers, but when patients see hospitals building a full bore, they love it. Well, they wouldn't love it if they knew that that was literally what's behind their insurance premiums going up 15%. Yeah. Because that's a huge factor. Mm-hmm. So that's unfortunate that that's kind of his yeah. approach to it. And I know that what he's trying to say is this is for the patients. It's all for the patients. They want new facilities. They like new facilities. And I think that's true. But you get oversupply and we all pay for it. Mm-hmm. Now, What's interesting is in Minnesota, that could not happen because we have a certificate of need law where you have to get legislative approval to add hospital beds. Oh, uh, and that. other states have that too, and that's how they've tried to cap this. Mm-hmm. But apparently in, in Pennsylvania, they do not have that, and right. other states definitely don't have it. That's smart. Uh, it is smart. I think it's smart. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of folks would say that's what makes Minnesota liberal and, you know, the People's Republic of Minnesota because big government's capping private industry. But <laughs> for good gracious, I mean, you've, you've got to take some control of the range, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Anyway, so good article. I don't know who pulled it up, but... Probably me. It's always good to be reminded of these things. All right, you ready for the next segment? Let's it's a big talk microsites! <laughs> that's a riff. If you're from Minnesota, if you ever go to a Minnesota Wild game, that's how they always have a celebrity at the start of the game who says, let's play hockey. And the whole crowd says that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Didn't somebody... did Governor Biff that or something? Yeah, didn't he swear or something? Somebody somebody yeah. did something. Polenti did or something. Polenti swore? Yeah, I thought yeah. he used to drop like the F-bomb or the... He Something did. like that. Well, as part of the cheer, or just yeah, was, as part of the cheer, he like yelled it. He was like, "Let's play some fucking hockey." We should look it up and oh, you mother bleepers, let's play some bleeping hockey. Anyway, so microsites. This, this, um, in my travels recently, uh, where I traveled our fine land and met with many fine healthcare marketers. Um, Websites was a big topic. <laughs> Digital was a big topic. It is the big topic mm-hmm. now. I think it's even surpassed social media. Of course, social media fits within that. But 
Um, if I had to pin a tail on the trend donkey, it would be <laughs> digital. Just say digital. <clears throat> and we had somebody send us something um, from a document like two years ago that was their E strategy, and they made a joke like, isn't that sound so like 2006 to say E strategy anymore? What does that mean? Like electronic? electronic. Yeah. yeah. But now it's digital. So now is it the D strategy? <laughs> Probably. The DB strategy? <laughs> anyway, so um, – so, so with the talk of digital and digital strategy and how you engage folks on the web, a lot of folks uh, want to think about microsites or they're, they're dealing with microsites or they have microsites and they're not sure mm-hmm. how to best use those. So I think, Adam, you know, what's your, first of all, what's your overall perspective on microsites? We talked about this before the show. Uh, overall, I would say... Burn them use, all. No, use appropriately. No. I mean, yes. they they are powerful tools. Mm-hmm. You should never just you should never rule them out, and you should never default to them. Right. Uh, use them. Just use them when appropriate. They are they are perfectly appropriate and valuable tools when used perfectly right. appropriately. <laughs> how, but how good of an answer is that? We'll talk a little bit how people get stuck <laughs> in situations where unfortunately that's not the case, but. Um, you know, first of all, let's define microsite because I got into a heated argument with somebody over a beer about this. So this is our definition of a microsite. Uh, so you think about, we're talking about hospitals and health systems and their primary organization website. Uh, a microsite is a separate website. So typically it's hosted separately. It might be the same host, but it's a separate URL. Mm-hmm. Um, it is almost always designed uh, somewhat distinctly, it might carry through brand standards, uh, but typically a lot of the point for why you would have a microsite is because you want to step outside the bounds of your current website design in some way. Right. Uh, it may be there for any number of reasons. Um, it might support a, a campaign, a marketing campaign, a fundraising campaign, any kind of um, separate or <clears throat> special or um, timed effort. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? What are the reasons? I mean, fo- the one we want to spend more time talking about is where <clears throat> folks go down the path of creating microsites for their various service lines. That's where we'll spend the most time. So forget that for a second. Yeah, well, they might exist for because it, uh, you need to host something somewhere other than your normal website to support a particular technology that might be needed for there you go. Uh, Maybe you it's need true. to do some kind of online retail for something or you're accepting some sort of registrations through some system that isn't a part of your uh, standard website um, or your maybe it's application some sort of web app uh, primarily and that can't really be supported on your server for whatever mm-hmm. reason so technologically there might be reasons to have a separate right. site and from a marketing strategy purpose it, it can make sense to have a separate site um, for you know the best example usually is some kind of campaign yeah where you really want to immerse people in whatever the message or the content of that campaign is, and you can't do that within the um, parameters right. of your existing site appropriately. So uh, where I think we want to spend our time and, and where the conversation typically gets interesting is where you talk about hospitals and health systems that are using microsites for their own service lines. Uh, and I think the reasons that, that we've heard from folks are legitimate reasons, both from marketers and from typically the service line leaders or the, the physicians involved, right? Uh, they want to give their, their own offering, their own service line, more prominent 
a more prominent presence they can get in the existing structure of a site. Right. Uh, they feel like they have content or messaging or something uh, that they need to convey in a way that they can't do <clears throat> with the existing site or do well. Uh, they feel like they're lost, you know, so they, it, this could be like cardiology or oncology, you know, a, a top service line from a revenue standpoint. Uh, and they may be competing against uh, not only other hospitals and health systems, but specialty clinics, um, physician groups that are all about that. Mm -hmm. You know, they're all about cardiology. And so they feel like they need to be out there in that same way right. and not buried in a hospital or health system site. And I think all of those are legitimate things to consider. I mean, right. they, they make sense from a marketing strategy standpoint. Mm -hmm. The challenge comes in when you think about creating, at least from my perspective, the challenge is creating microsites for those service lines. Um, you know, first of all, from a brand perspective, you're starting to create a disparate experience. Right. Uh, we're, we're, we're fond of saying that the website is your new front door, that people, you know, more often than not are going to come to your website in one way or the other before they do anything else with you. Uh, if you're making them come through multiple doors, that can be confusing. That can be um, just, a, a, you know, a more complicated experience. Uh, it dilutes your brand somewhat. It can if it's not done right. Mm -hmm. um, what about SEO? That can be a challenge too, right? You've got a separate website? Uh, yeah, there's pros and cons. Um, <clears throat> obviously, the, the more you have at one location, uh, you know, the more that's going to be indexed for that location, the more likely is that, you know, in by location, I mean website. Um, so it's beneficial in that regard. But at the mm -hmm. same time, one component of, uh, you know, an SEO strategy is to consider, you know, inbound links and outbound as well, but you know, kind of a linking strategy. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, how, how are how are other sites leading to you? What other sites are you leading to? Uh, and how does that affect your ranking? So, you know, if you've, if you've got multiple sites that are providing valuable content and that people are finding value in and they are uh, linking to one another, mm -hmm. um, in the end, that's going to be, you know, beneficial. Yep. So yeah, there's, there's pros and cons to either way. And it's hard to really know, you know these algorithms are that, that Google uses or Bing uses. They're changing all the time. I mean, Mysterious. It, you could be top. You could be in like the first page. You could be the top ten in first page rankings. You know, one month and then the next month something changed and you're you know mm -hmm. five pages deep. So it's tough to. It's can be tricky to build strategies around that kind of stuff because it's real. I mean, you can you can build strategies, but to really get into the nitty gritty of why you're going to set mm -hmm. something up technologically one way versus the other it could change you know the very next day you have to be a genius you have to be a genius mm -hmm. well i think the struggle marketers have too is uh i think you can make arguments for from a service line perspective for or against i think we would tend to and we'll explain kind of our philosophy on this in a second um but the challenge is once you start once you open that pandora's box as a marketing leader you have a really hard time putting the genie back in the bottle. Nice mixed metaphor. Wow, that's cute. <laughs> Isn't that good? That was really good. Because, boy, if you give cardiology their own microsite, good luck telling oncology they can't have theirs. Right. And pretty soon you've got five, six, seven, eight, ten different microsites. And we've worked with organizations that have 20 different microsites. And, you know, so literally different sites, you know. Mm -hmm. and, and, again, you if you're going through a hospital's website and you're continually taken somewhere else, that's usually not the best experience. But from a marketer standpoint, 
your job has now become infinitely harder because you have to mm-hmm. manage all these. You have to figure out the messaging for all these. They probably have different CMS frames behind them, maybe the same system, but you know, it's more difficult to have something appear over here and appear over here simultaneously. Right. Um, it just makes your world it's unwieldy. a lot. It's unwieldy. Mm-hmm. And, and if, if it was the right thing to do, then I would say, well, then you just have to invest in the time. Like measurement. Measurement's also unwieldy, <laughs> but it's worth the investment to spend extra time on it. But mm-hmm. um, one of the ways that we've come up with kind of thinking through this is, uh, and I don't know where this came from. I think we just made it up, but it's, it <laughs> seems to work well with folks. So here's how we think of the, kind of the two extremes of, of, of hospital health system websites. The typical approach that you see is what we would call a, a typical indoor mall. So you think about most malls, right? You go in, maybe there's a few entrances, but it's one big set of doors. Maybe there's some anchor stores, but literally it's all enclosed. Mm-hmm. And to get to any store inside, you have to go to the main doors and you go in there. Mm-hmm. Now, once you're in there, of course, they're different branded. Um, but that's kind of like most hospital websites is you, you go in the main way and then you find what you want by navigating through. If you come from the outside to those situations, that's where the folks that are behind the service lines may struggle because they would say, look, here's our landing page for oncology. It takes up less than 50% of the page because the other 50% is dedicated to all the organizational stuff that we have to have everywhere for our website. Uh, So people come in, they feel like you're in the middle, we can't say a lot, we can't have videos, we can't do what we wanna do. Uh, So that's the challenge with the closed. The extreme, the opposite extreme, is where you have stores, independent stores everywhere, and that's the microsite model. And as you can think about that, it's just each of those stores is independent and can do what they want, but as a whole, they're not connected. If you're trying to go to multiple stores, it's inconvenient. So our philosophy is you strive for something we call the outdoor mall, where you still have everything connected, you can still go through the front door, but you can also go through the side doors to each of the individual uh, area. So mm-hmm. in the metaphor, it would be a, another store. In our world, it would be a service line. Right. And if you come into that service line from the outside, you're directed there by a campaign, you've done some search, and you want to find information on cancer. Uh, when you get there, you feel like this is all about cancer. This is all about me and what I'm interested in. And yes, of course, you can get to the other places uh, right. in the in the organizational website, but those are secondary and everything is more relevant to you. Mm-hmm. Does that does that fit with, does that metaphor still work when you hear it like the eighth time? I think so. Yeah, people seem so. to nod when I say it, but. The one tricky part about a shopping mall, I mean, if we're using, if you use the, Minis- the malls in Minnesota, for an example, I assume other ones work the same, is that the big staple stores do have their own entrances usually as well. Yeah, yeah. So, so if you use that metaphor with your service lines, they're going to be like, well, we're, we're Staples. Yeah. We're Macy's. Yeah, we've, we, we get a door. Right. Macy's gets a door. Right. The difference is, well, the mall uses the individual brands. So now it's breaking down. Way to go. The mall <laughs> uses individual brands to actually promote as a value. Like come to our mall because we have more independent brands. Right. A hospital is, really has the op- or should have the opposite goal. Mm-hmm. That we are as one as a family and yes we have all these offerings but they're all connected they're related it's seamless they build upon one each other it's easier for you all of that so mm-hmm. that kind of goes into that yeah it's more the architecture of the mall that we're thinking about <laughs> damn it now we have to come up with I a different hear, yeah. metaphor maybe someone else can think of something when i've did, when i've used it with folks they get what i'm talking yeah. about yeah you no, know I so you can kind of follow it no it's 
I think it still works. Yeah. It's right. It's the problem with metaphors, though. You know, metaphors are great. I love metaphors. Metaphors mm-hmm. are one of the best yeah, ways to communicate an idea. But the challenge is it can be easy to pick it apart. Right. They're not always concrete. Right. You know, like every dog has its day. Well, what do you mean? What about cats? <laughs> and Some dogs don't have their day. Blah, 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 blah. That's a metaphor, isn't it? Or is that an analogy? See, now I get those confused as well. I don't know. That's an analogy, isn't it? What does that even mean? Every dog dies? Every dog has its day. Every dog has, has a good like day. Has its prime or something? Pretty much, yeah. That's a weird... That's, I mean, I've heard that a million the, times. That's weird. Derivation of that is. And it, there's also a third one, a simile, I think. Is it a simile? Help us out, Adam. Look up metaphor versus analogy. Metaphor is where you... Um, it's, one of them is like where it's like it. Yeah. yeah. And the other one is... And I confuse them all the time. Simile is similar. So a metaphor that I've heard is like, describe your organization in terms of an animal. My organization is like an octopus. It has its tentacles and everything. Or That'd my like organization is like, No, I think that's a metaphor. Oh. Shoot. That's what know. I retain from school. How are you coming over there? We got, we're, on, we're on live. This Come is on. Dead, dead time. Yeah, well, Jack, I, you know, I'm finding dancing. articles that are like, I'm not just like getting like a nice sentence I can read. It's like an article. What about dictionary.com or something? The heck, Google. Oh, well, you can look up the definitions look of both. Look at Strunk and White. Find a nice, uh, <laughs> can we have that around here somewhere? Well, look at this. Wikipedia says a metaphor is a type of analogy. That could be. Well, now that's deep. Well, a square is a type of rectangle. <laughs> But a rectangle. Here, a metaphor is a literary square. figure of speech that describes a subject by asserting that it is, on some point of comparison, the same as an, an as an otherwise unrelated object. Metaphor is a type of analogy and is closely related to other rhetorical rhetorical rhetorical, rhetorical <laughs> figures of speech. Uh, I was just seeing rhetoric. I wasn't seeing the AL on the end. Right. Uh, that achieve their effects via association, comparison, or resemblance. So whatever it is. Including allegory, hyperbole, and simile. You lost me. Hyperbole is an exaggeration, that part I know. Well, we're going to have to put this on our... We'll have to put it in the show notes so it's straight. Whatever it is, I find it to be an extraordinarily powerful tool. (laughs) I do. It's it's great. You know, the, the one that gets the most feedback is... And again, I don't know if this is a metaphor or simile. It's just a comparison. But when you talk about healthcare like it's a refrigerator. Yeah, I like that one. And you lead people through but, that and they go, yeah, now I get it. Now I know why Joe Public doesn't care. And I'm hungry. And I'm hungry. As are we. It's oh, time yeah. to break for lunch. Mm-hmm. That was Grammar Corner with Jackie Ritaco <laughs> <laughs> and Adam Meyer on vocals. So. All right, anything else in microsites you want to throw in there? Hopefully that's helpful to people to think through what they at least need to think through before they... But think through it, because once you start down the path, it's really hard to go back. True that. Once you let the cat out of the bag, the genie does not want to go back into Pandora's box. <laughs> <laughs> but the cat will. You're just taking that too far. Sorry. That was a mixed metaphor. Something like the that. The cat in the bottle? Anyway. And the cat's, cats in the bottle in the silver <laughs> spoon. cat's in the bottle. Little boy, blue and blue man. Sorry. When you're right. coming home, son, I don't know when. That's a great song. It brings tears to my eyes. Who is that? Cat really? Stevens Day. No, what Jim Croce. Oh. What's that? The Cats in the Cradle song? What is that about? It's about a... You've never listened to it? Oh, well, I know it's about a cat in a cradle and a silver spoon. It'll make you cry. If you're it's really- about a son and his father and how in the beginning the father... The son is young, is born, and the father's too busy. 
He doesn't have time to play football. He doesn't have time to talk to the kid because he's a busy guy. And then the son gets older, and he starts becoming too busy for the father. And the father's – it's giving me chills now. The father's <laughs> main message is he's grown up just like me, yeah. which he says in a positive way but in a little bit of a regretful way because he's successful, but they can't have that connection. Right. And the wow. cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon. <laughs> what that? This is a song analysis corner. With oh, my <laughs> gosh. It's such a good song. It is. It is no, really a good It's song. a good yeah. song. I guess I just didn't, never knew what it was about. That's what it's about. You can listen to the Maybe Ugly Kid Joe remake. What's that? So you can listen to the Ugly Kid Joe remake. I am a father. Which isn't bad. No, it's not too bad. It's not bad. You are a father? Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Um, is that an analogy or a metaphor? <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> wow. We'll leave you all with that. <laughs> we have a healthcare miracle. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get out of here. For Eric and Healthcare Marketing Bastards, this is Chris Bevelo. Jackie Retago. And Adam Meyer. We will talk to you next week for 150. Oh, yeah. And 50.